Yo, what's going on, family? Today we have Mr. Chris Browning, creator of the Popcorn Finance Podcast, and we discussed his journey towards finding his passion, his outlook on creating an award-winning podcast, and his financial advice for everybody grappling with the current pandemic. So in Chris's words, I don't want to burn the popcorn, so let's get straight into it. Welcome to another edition of the Bag Talk Show. Um, I'm your host, Akeem J, the CPA. I got a very special guest with me, uh, Mr. Chris Browning. He's the creator of an award-winning podcast, uh, Popcorn Finance. So I wanted to get you on, not only because of uh, the creative part of it. Everybody has a podcast, right? But I think yours is really, you've niched out your own lane. Um, and I think it's one clever and uh, two right on time for uh, the generation that we're working with now. I um, mean, I know you got some other things going on as well. Uh, so we're going to talk about that too. Uh, so I hope you all enjoy the show. Uh, I know we're going to get a bunch of gems here and, and a bunch of inspiration on what you've been able to do and the success you've been able to achieve. So first and foremost, truly uh, appreciate your time, brother. I know um, time is the most valuable asset and, and that you taking some minutes to spend with me. I, I definitely appreciate it. Oh, no, I mean, more than happy to. I appreciate the invite. It's always, always good to talk and, uh, you know, catch up with new people, man, and, uh, and, and talk about what's going on right now. Dope, dope. All right, cool. So let's just start out. If you could give, give the folks that don't know you a little, a little introduction to you and your background. Uh, yeah. So um, thanks for the introduction already, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Chris Browning. I just said I host a, a podcast called Popcorn Finance. It's a uh, short form show where I discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorns. That's the whole premise behind the show. Super short episodes. Try to keep it as tight as I can because I know we're all busy. We all have things to do. Uh, we got limited time. We're probably, you know, juggling a hundred other different things. So money's scary enough. So I figure, hey, why not give you something about finance in a quick package? That way you can pick it up and learn a little something and get, gain some confidence along the way. So that was the whole idea and premise behind this. And uh, for me, my background started out, didn't know anything about finance and um, went into college as an art major, ended up feeling like, realizing it wasn't for me. And uh, just by chance was taking a finance class. And that's what got me, I kind of started on my journey to learn more about this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about kind of background. What got you into personal finance? Like what, what made it a priority in your life? Did you like grow up Were your parents uh, all about personal finance growing up? Uh, did you kind of have to learn it on your own? How'd that, how'd that go for you? Uh, no, we, uh, we didn't talk about money at all growing up. My parents were like, you know, you just, you worry about school. That's what, that's what, that's your job. So they, <laughs> we weren't, uh, we weren't having to sit down at the table discussing their budget or anything like that. Uh, but my mom was always in the finance space. She was uh, an accountant, ran a finance department for the local school district where we lived. Uh, and so she wanted me to get into finance, into accounting more specifically. But I was like, you know, that sounds horrible. Uh, that's for you. I'm going to figure out something else. And um, like I was mentioned earlier, I went into college as an art major because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. But I was in an art program when I was in high school. And 
my my dream was I was going to work for Pixar. That's what I was like, you know, I want to I want to be a part of that that process of making those movies. So I get to college, not really knowing what I was doing and not realizing that they're not going to just give you a job at Pixar and say, go ahead and help us create the next movie. You got to learn all the foundational pieces of art to even get to that point. Yeah. I get there and I'm taking a bunch of classes that I was like, I no, this is not for me. I don't I don't know what I got myself into. And um, the school I went to, they had, um, you know, everyone has their list of general education classes and finance, like a general finance class happened to be one. So I just took it because it fit in my schedule. Sounded kind of interesting. Uh, realized there was a lot of stuff I didn't know. I had no idea about any of these uh, really crucial topics that they don't teach you anywhere else. If I wouldn't have took, taken this class, I would have never been exposed to any of this. And I was already like, you know what? I think I don't want to be an art major. This was really fascinating. I decided to go and change my major to finance my second semester in college. And uh, just by chance, I was going to one of the schools with one of the uh, largest business schools in Southern California. I didn't know. It was just by chance. So ended up being part of a really great business program there. Uh, they had a, uh, a specific, specific in- emphasis you could pick uh, for financial planning. So that's where I put my focus in. And yeah. so we you know, practiced making financial plans, learned about the basics of investing and insurance and just the whole, the whole full background of all of this. And that was my, uh, that, that's my introduction and journey into the, the world of finance. Okay. All right. Good deal. Good deal. So started with something and realized you wanted to want to do, do something else. All right. So how long after what, what was kind of your career path after, you know, you switched your major, what would you go into next after, uh, after schooling? So I graduated in 2010. So right, right. We were, we were feeling the effects of the recession. So 2008 hit stuff started going downhill and we're all just hopeful. Maybe by the time we graduate, things will be a little bit better. It wasn't. And so uh, I was like, all right, this is going to be harder than I thought. I was working at a bank. Um, I was working as a a banker and then like a teller supervisor for a while. So I got my investment license as well. I was there and just realized I did not enjoy it. It was really heavy on sales. It wasn't, I won't name the bank because they, I I don't want to say they didn't care about people, but they didn't. And it was all about how can we push this next product on the next person here? We don't care if they need this or not you have a quota you need to hit, you need to get this. And that started to show me, okay, this is not the, the world I want to be in, at least in this area. And uh, when I graduated, I wanted to become a financial planner, but the, there was not very many opportunities at the time. And the places that were offering me positions, it was again, the same thing, just straight sales. Like, hey, make a list of everybody you know, and we're going to run through those people until we, we build you up a client base. And I was like, this is, this is not what I want. So yeah. to my mom's joy, I ended up getting an accounting job uh, at a school district right, right out of college. I was like, can you, I can't believe this. Well, I shouldn't say right out of college. It was maybe about a year and a half that I spent looking for something else other than this type of work. And that's what was just available at the time. And that's kind of where I, I stayed for a while. I worked uh, in accounting and managing payroll departments for seven years out of college. And during that time, that's when I developed popcorn finance because I, want, I really wanted to teach personal finance. That's what I was excited about because I knew how much it meant to me. The fact that I got to learn all the stuff that was so important and crucial. And uh, I, I was just fortunate to be in a place where I could learn these things. And so I was like, well, what can I do? I still need to pay the bills. I still got to eat. What can I do to still kind of, you know, move forward in my passion? And I'm a big podcast listener. I live out here in Southern California. All we do is drive. You spend hours a day in the car and I listen to a ton of podcasts. And so I was like, why not make a podcast? Yeah. Why not? Uh, why not use this as my way of teaching people about personal finance? And that's kind of how the uh, the whole process started. Okay. All right. Dope. 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 
All right. So I, I, I definitely know that struggle of working an accounting <laughs> job and you're just itching the, to do something else and feel part of the, the greater world. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, what was, um, what was like the beginning part process of starting the podcast? Like, how did you, did you uh, run out? You had to get the microphones and all that stuff. Like what were the struggles of creating the process of uh, podcast? Like how did, how, what were the beginning stages? Like for those folks that are out there thinking about doing a podcast? Yeah, for, for me, it was a it was a trial and error type of journey. And and really, I came up with the idea three years before I ever actually launched the show because I was just so nervous about starting this project. I was like, what if it sucks? What people say you're horrible? What are you talking about? Why did you even make this? You know, all those doubts and fears roll through your mind. And I, I was like, you know, I think I like the idea, but I'll just hold on to this. You know, I, I still got a job. Uh, but I would tell my friends and my wife about it. And they'd be like, you know, this is a good idea. You should do it. And I was like, I guess. And so what really pushed me over the edge to make me do it was uh, I was at work and I'm, I'm, I'm huge in like tech. I used to listen, I used to listen to primarily tech podcasts. Yeah. And so there was a, a blog, a tech site I was on called The Verge. And they were like, hey, there's this new app called Anchor. You can start a podcast from your phone. You, you, you know, hop in and give it a try. Here's our test. And I was like, well, I guess I could try this. I was like, there's no costs. You know, right. it wasn't going to hurt. And no one's probably going to listen to it anyways. So I, uh, I downloaded it on my phone and during my lunch breaks at work, I would go sit in my car, I would make notes and then I would record episodes because back then it's a, it's completely different from what it looks like now. Back then it was almost like a social network. You would, it was almost like audio Instagram stories. You would record audio, you could uh, record it in chunks, you could add little music clips, things like that. And it would live on their app for 24 hours and then it would disappear. And you would just kind of do that over and over. And people could respond. You could respond back to them with your voice. You could take their responses and put in your in your recording. All this stuff. So it was like a, it was an interesting little setup. And the great thing about it was nobody heard the first month of what I was doing because there was no way to save it. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't until maybe over a little over a month into the the process of using the app that they updated it and allowed you to actually submit uh, a feed to Apple Podcasts and all the other platforms. And then that's when my show officially started. That's like the first episode you can find is something that was maybe like a month and a half in. And that was kind of, that was like the very beginning of how I uh, got the show off the ground. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. You know, what's funny is that's how I got comfortable with public speaking. I thought to myself, mm. nobody's listening to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's funny that you say that. All right, cool. And, and that's, uh, that's crazy that uh, I, I just got introduced to Anchor not too long ago. Um, so it's, it's interesting to hear like you were one of the, I don't want to say first people, but you were one of the first people like when Anchor came out to really, to really give it a shot and, you know, see what it's about. So um, that's, that's interesting. Um, okay. All right. So um, how, what, what happened when, when did it start growing? Right. Mm -hmm. When did, when did people start listening to it? You're like, all right, I might have something here. How, how the growth process start to start to work. So once it became a real show and people could actually find it, um, it was very slow. And so that's the thing I tell a lot of people, most people, when they start a podcast, it is a slow journey. It's that there's very few fortunate people who are not already celebrities who start a podcast and then it takes off. You're going to be talking to a small handful of people for a very long period of time as you build the show up. And so for me, that's, that's how it went. Started the show and I remember being excited when I would get uh, 400 downloads in a month. I'm like, oh man, look at this growth. <laughs> you know, look at all these people listening to the show. And uh, it, what it was, was it gave me an opportunity to kind of experiment and find my voice and style with the show. Because for me, I'm a huge believer in, with any creative project, but if we're just sticking to podcasts, you have to 
try things out. You don't know. Like it, it's very hard to just come out with the perfect finished product. Try number one. You're going to be out there trying different ideas, changing up the format, changing up your topics, refining your voice until you figure out what works for you. And even to this day, I've been, I've been doing the show now for three, a little over three years now. Even now, I will change things about the show because I'll figure out, you know, you learn what you're interested in, what people are interested in, and what works. And so you just got to be open to constantly tweaking it and um, accepting feedback when you get it and making changes to improve the show. So that, for me, that's what it was. It was a lot of refining the show and changing the format. So the whole premise was for it to be short, but I was making episodes that are 20 minutes long. And people were like, what are you doing? Like, this is, my brother was like, man, you're burning the popcorn. It was like, <laughs> I never, I never cooked popcorn that long in my life. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> I got to do something about this. And, and so it was, it was through learning and putting together the best product. And what I found was the, uh, the best help in growing the show. Uh, it was two, it was two things, two main things I'd say. The number one was, being so focused on the content and making it the best I could and putting everything into every episode I was putting out, even though if it was like, you know, this isn't that big of a deal, but it's like, Hey, let me put my all into this and see how good this can be because that's your best selling point is the product. You may, you may be able to, you know, right. advertise like crazy, spend all this money on Facebook ads and Instagram ads and get people to come to your show. But if it sucks, they're going to leave. They're like, no, this is the first five minutes. Like, you know what? I'm done. I'm never coming back to this again. And so I think that's why it is so key to put everything you can into the product, into what you're doing, because that's what's going to get people to come back again and again. And um, it's just trial and error. And I'd say the second thing after that would be really networking, connecting with other people in the space. And that was, that was probably, I mean, along with the show, working on improving it every time I put out an episode, uh, networking was, was huge because uh, I was able to bring on other people onto the show. They would invite me onto their show and you're sharing audiences. And what I found, especially in the finance space with uh, like bloggers and podcasters, everyone's really open to working together and collaborating on different things. And on top of the fact that you're getting exposure to different groups of people, like people are coming, you're bringing people in to see your show. And then you're also bringing uh, your audience to the people that you have on as your guests. On top of that, you're getting different voices in. And so it added variety to the show. People weren't just stuck listening to me all the time, that opportunity to listen to other people with different backgrounds, different opinions, different thoughts, different skills. And to me, that just makes it even better when it's not just all about, it's not all about me. It's about what we're all doing to provide the best information to the people listening. Yep. Yep. OPK, other people's knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Okay. Would you, uh, would you say there was a point where you got like a, a big break where you were like, oh man, this is like, this is going to be the moment where it mm. changes or was it just like a steady growth process? You know, yeah. what, what I learned over time is that, well, at least for me and probably for most people, there's not typically one thing that is just going to make you blow up. I mean, you may get an opportunity that puts you in front of the right people uh, that, just, that, that causes that exposure, but for most people, it's a bunch of small things you're doing that are slowly bringing in an audience and helping it grow. And so for me, I thought like if I got on a, a big publication, <clears throat> excuse me, if I got, <clears throat> so I'm getting dry here. If I, uh, if I got on, uh, you know, if I made it into this paper or this website, or if I got on this show, those would all just make the show explode. But what, what it is that not everyone, just because you appear somewhere, not everyone's going to follow you and come over and just now become a fan of your stuff. You may get a few people. And uh, the key was that now that you're growing your audience slowly, it's now acknowledging those new people coming in, appreciating them and seeing what they want and what will help um, make them want to come back show after show. Because uh, I had an opportunity to um, 
do video segments with like Cheddar or with Yahoo and all those things were great and fun experiences, but it didn't all of a sudden take what I was doing and make it, you know, front page on every side and, you know, my listenership triple, you know, that never happened. It was always, okay, here's a new opportunity. What I learned from this, what context can I make to, you know, continue to grow and bring in different guests and voices onto the show. And then you just use all those little things to build and grow upon what you're doing because yeah, the whole time, nothing ever, I never all of a sudden like woke up and my listeners like tripled or quadrupled. It was always, (laughs) it was a little bit better the next month than it was the month before. And just kind of keep adding on that as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So um, let's talk about like monetizing the podcast and the business. Uh, How did that come about? So for me, the the biggest thing I've been doing is uh, it's been through sponsorships on the show. And uh, I've also had the benefit of kind of watching other people and kind of seeing what they do and what allows them to grow and turn what they're doing into a viable business. And so for me, I still work full-time. I still have to uh, give it up my full-time job. And um, what, what I've noticed is with sponsorships, the key is understanding your audience and being able to communicate that to people who are potentially interested in, in sponsoring your show. Because one, you have responsibility to the audience to bring on people who are, you know, not going to rip off the people who are listening to your show. You want to you, you wanna bring on something or a company that you believe in, that you would trust with your information, that you'd also want to share that with other people. Uh, and at the same time, they want to know who are they speaking to, because for them, it's a waste of their money if they're talking to an audience who is not who they're targeting, who does not work for them. They're not, they wouldn't be the customer for their product. Uh, and so it could be hard in podcasting because one of the limitations in podcasting is being able to view who your audience is uh, because that type of data is not shared. And, and it's, you know, for important reasons, for privacy, you don't want to, you know, listen to a podcast that everyone knows all, all your business. Uh, so what you do is you can just speak to your audience. I think that's why it's so key to stay in communication with the people who listen to your show. And so for me, I use Instagram for that. It's like the platform I use the most uh, where I get feedback from people, know what they're thinking, see what topics they're interested in, and also get to know what they want out of the, the people I would bring on the show as a sponsor or as a guest. And so what it is, it's kind of keeping track of what are the needs of your audience? Who are they looking for? What's, what solutions are they looking for? And then being able to communicate that to the sponsors. And so on top of that is also just monitoring what you're doing and monitoring the performance because they want to know if you've worked with someone else, how did that perform because they're, they're like you may have had a sponsor but did anyone ever click on their link did they did they your audience connect with who you brought on and so those are i think if you're going for a straight sponsorship which can be one of the more difficult models to monetize your podcast it's all about knowing your audience and then also being able to convey that information those needs to the people who would want to come on your uh, your show to sponsor okay all right good deal good deal all right so you're you're obviously a finance podcast um, I'm sure you got some, some tips for folks. Um, what would you say are like your main tenements? What, like somebody that's out there trying to get their finances in order, what's, uh, what's most important uh, from your perspective that people should be doing to get their finances together? I would say the number one thing, which is it's the least exciting thing that you're going to do when it comes to your money. It's making a budget. And I don't know if people don't want, if you don't want to call it a budget, that's fine. If you're like, I hear that word and it makes me run away, call it the spending plan, call it my dollar schedule, call it whatever you need to call it. But the thing is you can't make any meaningful changes if you don't know where your money's going. And for some people we feel like, oh, we don't have enough money, but it could be that we're just spending it in the areas that we weren't realizing we were. 
because yeah. uh, there are people who for sure don't have enough money. So I never want to like discount those people. But there are some of us who are in a position like I was in this position before where I had enough money to start working on paying off my debt. I had enough money to start saving. But I was for me, I was literally just eating it. That's what I was doing. Yeah. I was going out and I was eating all the time. Yeah. And my money was just flying out the door. And yeah. it felt like I was broke. But I wasn't as broke as I really was because I just wasn't being conscious of where my money was going. So the biggest thing I say is if you don't, if you're like, I don't know where to start, keep it simple. You can even just use a piece of paper. You can just open your bank account and, and just write down those items right there or download it into a spreadsheet or you can find an app that you like. There's a lot out there. There's Mint. Um, there's one I was testing out called Copilot. And I mean, there's, 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 there's no shortage of budgeting apps yeah, out there that yeah, you could yeah. possibly try. Uh, but the key is, look at your expenses for let's say the past two months just look back and you can get a pretty good idea of how you're spending your money if you look over about a roughly like a two-month period and then you can see is okay is my issue that i don't have enough money or is my issue that i'm spending too much of it on the areas that aren't really that important to me yeah and so i think that's like the best place to start because then you'll know okay once you realize how much money you actually have to work with you can say okay now that i've realized i could be using this chunk of money this 200 500 a month for something else yeah. now it's like okay now i can build a plan on where that money needs to go is it to debt or is it to saving for retirement or for an emergency and then you can start to make those those smaller decisions after that yep okay all right good deal uh what about uh during covid anything you would switch up during covid any any good tips for people that are uh maybe uh, could be struggling or maybe aren't struggling so much and are, are wondering what to do uh, going forward. So any special tips for the COVID environment? Yeah. If you're, if you're in a position right now where you still have income coming in and you're like, okay, I need to know what I need to be doing, what should be important to me, I'm all about safety and security first and foremost. You, you want to make sure that if something goes down, if you lose your job, if things, if the situation drastically changes on you, that you're not gonna be out on the street, that you're not going to have to make these very hard, difficult decisions on the spot. Uh, so for me, I always tell people, having some type of emergency savings in place is, is key because that gives you the foundation to, to have choices, not only if something goes wrong, but also if things are going well, it allows you to maybe be a little more aggressive with investing um, or maybe buy that house that you're looking at. Like you have that foundation to know that I'm secure in the event of an emergency. And so for me, that's the biggest thing. Um, most people say anywhere between three to six months of your expenses. Um, and I think that they, they give that range because some people's positions are more secure than others. Uh, but I think as the pandemic showed, you don't really know if your job is secure or not. It really depends yeah. on the circumstances. Yeah. So no, I'm, no one expected this. And I'm sure there's industries that were impacted who felt like they were secure prior to this. And so for me, that, that's key because we, as we see, the unemployment system could not handle the current situation. There was too many people who needed this help at the same time on top of waiting for the government to come up with a plan uh, and still waiting for them to figure out what the next steps of the plan are. And so you don't want to be reliant on someone else to help you in the event of an immediate emergency. Like we do need, there still needs to be government intervention in situations that's catastrophic, but what are you going to do if you're in a situation where there's been people who waited months before they got the first unemployment check? And uh, the key is, to keep your family going as long as you can when something difficult like that happens to you and your finances. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I always say you can't be dependent on your employer, right? It's mm -hmm. it's okay to have a job, but you just can't be dependent on your employer. And then like when we're talking about COVID and unemployment, it's like, 
if you are helping one of your cousins pay their rent, right, every month, that's fine, right? You're helping them pay the rent, but then say a hundred other cousins come and they're like, yeah, we need help with the rent too, <laughs> right? Anybody's going to be in trouble, right? Yeah. So the government, rather a company, a person, right? If you have this massive influx of people that need more help, then you're going to have to, you know, there's going to be some trouble with it. So yeah, yeah, great, great points. All right, so um, so what's what's next for you? What's what's next for Popcorn Finance? I know you got a, another uh, podcast going on. That this is awkward podcast. So what's uh what's in the future with you? What's next in the cards? Uh, yeah, well, I'll give you the what's going on with the new podcast first. That one, um, it's a show where we take listener calls mm-hmm. and help them through their awkward money situations. We okay. we wanted to do something different. So my co-host um, Allison, she had been on my show a bunch of times. That's how we met, and I was like, hey, we should start this show because I want to do something that was a little bit on the lighter side. You know, I you can talk about money all day, but after a while, you're like, you know, I want I want to have some fun too. I don't want to be everything I do is taking me hours of research. So I was like. I know people really like hearing real life situations. And that's always what I found is like, you want to hear real examples of how people dealt with these different issues in their life. And I was like, everyone's dealt with something weird with money where they've had someone ask them for some money and not give it back. Someone tried to tell you how to spend your money. Everyone has these, these awkward situations. And so that's what we do. We let people call in and then they let us know what awkward money situation they're dealing with. And then we'll talk through that, that situation. We'll give them our experience. We'll tell them some stories and then we'll give them some real advice. Oh, while trying to have fun along the way. So that's kind of what we're doing with that. So that was fairly new. We just started that in March. It was a uh, birth out of the pandemic. Like, Hey, we're, <laughs> we're, everyone's at home. Why not? Why not start a show right now? So uh, yeah. that's how that got started. And uh, on the popcorn finance side of things, I've really been focusing on uh, the practical investment advice right now, because I think I'd say the majority of questions I get are around investing. That's what people want to know about. I mean, because it's, you hear about it all the time, but a lot of us aren't familiar with it because no one's taught us these details. And so for me, I've been going through and I've been wanting to break down the different aspects of investing, whether it's uh, what is a stock, what is a bond, how does a 401k plan work? um, What does it mean to think about my investments ethically? all these different individual topics I'm putting together because uh, for me, what I've developed over time is like my belief around investing is that it should be one of the most boring things you ever do. Like you don't, you don't want to be up at night thinking about your money like all the time. You no one, no one needs that type of stress in their lives and, and no one has a time right. to, to really do that. If you got to go to work, you got kids, all these other things. So to me, it's finding a, a simple path, a simple method to investing your money uh, while also being prepared for the future, having enough to retire, but also being able to enjoy your life at the same time. So that's kind of what we got going on over there. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Good deal. All right. And so what, where can people find more about you? Where can people listen to the podcast? Uh, where, where can people get in contact? Yeah, you can just find me, uh, any, really any podcast app. Uh, you just look for popcorn finance, you find me in there. And also this is awkward, or you can just head to uh, popcornfinance.com and then I have links to the shows over there. Okay. Awesome. Good deal. Well, I, again, I appreciate your time, brother. Um, I admire your podcast. I admire the creativity. Uh, I'd love to have you back with your partner for This is Awkward. We can talk about that as well. But um, uh, again, just truly, I, I truly appreciate your time. No, no, I appreciate you having me on. It's been great talking with you. And uh, yeah, always happy to talk about what's going on in the finance space. Nice, nice. Good deal. Well, all right, you take it easy, brother. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Uh, we're going to be posting the video interview on YouTube. Uh, we'll be posting the, uh, we'll be posting in a podcast form on all the podcast outlets. And then, of course, we will repost it on Instagram. So again, I uh, appreciate you, brother. Have a good rest of your day and uh, take it easy. Hey, thank you. You too. All right. We'll talk again. Peace.